Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. Hello and welcome. This is Denise Michaels. I am here with... Charles L. Whitby II, author of Brown Skin, Green Money, and Soon to Take Over the World. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, today is Friday, November 20th, 2015, and our topic today, let me pull up the outline again, is it has to do with don't listen to people who are broke. Let me see, but that's not the exact wording. It sounds um, real close. It's real close. Listen to people who aren't broke. So anyway, I sent that to you, I think, yesterday or the day before so that you could just kind of have your brain cogitating a little bit on it. And, of course, I I can't remember the first time I heard that advice, listen to people who aren't broke, um, probably quite a few years ago. You know, but the idea was generally if you talk to somebody who makes – $25,000 a year, they have absolutely no idea how you make $100,000 a year. So if you exactly. want to make $100,000 a year, don't talk to somebody who makes 25000 Exactly. Right? And, and that's, yeah, and that's the concept of the chapter is making sure that you are, um, I mean, it's just like, you know, don't take medical advice from someone who, who doesn't specialize. We wouldn't trust we, if we were, if our heart is sick, you know, we have, or we having heart trouble, and our body is sick, we're not gonna go. You know, a, a wise person is not going to go to an individual that has no knowledge of the human body to try to find out how to get healed. They're gonna go to right. someone who specialized and studied, and you know, have successfully successfully seen other people uh, through wholeness to get advice. I mean, it's right. the same thing with money. We we don't want to put, you know, our, we don't want to risk our financial health by trying to find advice from those that have no expertise when it comes to the world. You know, there's a, there's a TV show on um, one of the cable networks called Botched. And the show is about two <laughs> plastic surgeons, and they do surgery on people who've been messed up, you right. know, by another plastic surgeon, right? So there was this woman in there recently. It's one of those things where I watch it maybe once a month or something, you know. But anyway, there was this woman there, and she got a nose job done by a dentist. <laughs> I mean. Talk about stupid, right? So right. how did you how did you first learn this lesson of listen to people who aren't broke? Well, I I learned it through you know, going I learned it through going through a study of financial principles from a 
Well, I can tell you. Um, Trial and error. I'm sorry. Trial and error. No, no, no. I learned it. I learned it more through um, listening to uh, listening to Dave Ramsey. Right. So I, I picked up Financial Peace University and I started going through it. And the principles that I heard in the book were principles that I never heard before. And I was mm-hmm. never at that at that point. I was never around people who had investments or who were um, in the business community that were entrepreneurs or who were people who um, had the type of lifestyle or the type of resources that I believe um, that people are capable of having when they are responsible with their finances. And I had never heard this before, and, and, and I realized that these are principles, you know, I started talking, I started developing relationships with, with individuals who um, who were in better financial situations, and they said a lot of things that were spoken of in this training, you know, about uh, the absence of debt, the uh, definitely the practice of investing, the practice of living below your means, uh, the practice so of educating. I'm, so I'm not going to write about, Dave Ramsey in right, your book right. because you're the expert in right. my mind. So you heard it at Dave Ramsey, but what was like an experience in your life that just kind of really made it, I mean, it just kind of brought it home for you? Uh, I, I think it was just looking at my community and the, the you know, the the practices that I saw in the community and the struggles that I saw people have that were older than me, people that I looked to up to in other areas, um, maybe, you know, like family members that were older that I looked up to because they were family members who took care of, you know, their families and helped raise me. Um, and, I, and I just would see that they didn't have any um, – there was a, a lack of the ability no acumen to, in that area right 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 so so um when i started you know uh, in the in the philosophies i would hear um some of them were really you know <laughs> advocates for for certain types of um for debt like car loans right so i would hear some people in my that I looked up to, they you know, um, suggesting to others to buy brand new cars because you won't have any problems with them. And but at the same token, I would see those same people who would buy new cars that had no quote unquote problems with the car have problems surviving from week to week because they spent all their money on a new car and they were they had a depreciating asset that provided them some value for the short term, but very little value for the long term. Um, I started, you know, people, you know, would give the kind of advice that would uh, basically say, you know, um, you know, this goes back to the, the black church scenario that we talked about before. And obviously, which I'm still a part of, but you know, I believe it needs a little bit of help in terms of just learning things. Uh, I had a conversation with someone who I really respect, and they were saying that you know they just trust, they just always just trust God 
to make it from from week to week or whatever when God has given them the ability to earn, you know. And do so much more. And do so much more, right? Uh, So So it's one of those things. What would you say are some sort of common beliefs in the minority community, just as a couple examples, that are just like, totally sound like someone who's never been there before. You know, like buying a brand new car because you won't have trouble with it. It's like, okay, I get that. I I get exactly where you're going. Are there a couple more that you can share? Yeah, I, I think another one is, you know, blindly telling people that they need to go to college. Uh, when they have no idea what they want to do or what they're good at, because you know it's obviously education is important and formal education serves its purpose to those who have who want to move in an area and have the type of uh, occupation or career that takes a formal education to go, but recommending people go to college by any means necessary, including racking up a bunch of debt, you know, just get a loan for it and pay it back later is another area that I've seen, you know, people be suggestive and just just go to school and and really not that not being a, a complete solution for someone who will waste thousands of dollars not knowing what they want to do, just taking random courses. And also you know, being caught up in going to the, you mentioned this before, we talked about this in the, the um, we, we discussed going to a state university. I, I met a, 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 I actually worked professionally with a woman years ago who told me that um, she went into like $100,000 worth of debt for her daughter to go to this prestigious university. Um, and you know it was one of those things where she was she was encouraged to you know help enable her daughter live her dream, but helping her daughter live her dream shouldn't cost her a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt. I, although I totally agree with the principle of helping that the college education or the post secondary education is a responsibility of the parent. You have to be wise with it as well. Um, so those are a couple of instances where, you know, and, and she, she felt the pressures of, you know, the financial aid and the paying back of loans. And I mean, those things were things that she had to, to bear on a day-to-day basis while her daughter was enjoying herself in college. And it was for a degree that she could have got at a state university for much cheaper and, it, you know, could have saved them some money. So I, I've seen those type of principles, um, see what else in terms of, I don't know. Um, oh, you know, encouraging young people to get out on their own to experience, you know, what life is uh, when they're not financially ready to do so. Um, encouraging um People, you know, who may make mistakes in life, uh, maybe they had a child before marriage to be forced into a marital situation uh, just because they, you know, they may have, you know, like I said, 
not unintentionally had a child with someone they didn't plan to be with. Gotten pregnant. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, now it's like you, encouraging them to marry the person because um, that person, has they have a child together where uh, they end up getting a divorce anyway that co- was costly to the family. Um, when they were kind of decided that this is their own decision to, to move in that direction. So those are several of the examples. Um, I think more importantly is uh, advice that I've, that I've heard um, people with me say that I had never heard before is probably kind of more of what I can speak to. Um, and, you know, again, talking about uh so one one of the one i guess this is kind of related one of the things that i i think is a is a interesting perspective in, in the minority community is that we should focus on jobs or getting a job or getting education to get a job that is like an operational type of job, you know, something that you would do every day that supports a business or supports an organization, um, maybe a doctor's office, a healthcare, a law practice, et cetera. Um, but I really heard, and people, I think it's starting to change now, really hear the encouragement of areas like sales or entrepreneurship or um or organizational leadership, things that are less uh, um, dependent on the the formal education side of things. And well, I think the, I think the professions like anything having to do with medicine or law or education, for example, you know, are the ones where you absolutely have to have that piece of paper. Absolutely. But there's lots of others where you don't. Absolutely, and and the education looks differently. You still, I, I want to be very clear that I definitely am an encourager of education. I was I was reading a book about a technical, uh, being a technical sales consultant on on my way um, on the airplane to to Miami. So it was one of those things where I think you always you always have to embrace. Um, you know, I, I've rarely heard broke people tell other, you know, people that they need to read more, read things kind of outside of your your place of uh, familiarity. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the things that's been very valuable to me that I've heard people with me, you know, really encourage is is, is reading not just textbooks, but reading books, reading books about self-development, reading books about personal finance, which is why they're reading this book, reading books about um, health and wellness or uh, just anything that may be, you know, non-formal, non-formal education. Those reads are very valuable, and those are that's the suggestions that I have from people that were not broke that really inspired me, and I've seen them inspire other people. It was funny. I was in a training um, recently. It was an emotional intelligence training, and it was regarding how to 
there's a new, you know, a new, I guess it's a buzz phrase. I don't know if you've heard it or not, emotional intelligence. It really talks about emotional IQ and how you are able from a uh, a feelings perspective to be able to be mature in how you relate to others. The first book on emotional intelligence, I think that came out way back in the 90s. Yeah, it, it has. I think, they're, it, I think they're looking at it a lot more seriously in terms of how emotional intelligence or what do they call it, EQ, emotional quotient, yeah, right? emotional quotient, uh-huh. Right, uh, relates to your ability to do well in the workforce, you know, right. so or at, or at your own business, something like that. So exactly. um, the first thing you have here um, on your outline for this chapter, this is chapter six. So you know what, I wanted to let you know, as of right now, we've got 143 pages done for your manuscript. Wow. So, and I wrote it down right before I jumped on the call. So far, we've got Chapter 6, which is what we're talking about right now, and then 12, 13, 15, and 16 to go. You know? So we're getting there. Anyway. Yeah, we're plugging along. So anyway, um, the first thing you have on here is it says resisting the pride of asking for help. But, you know, when I read that, I thought, I don't know if it's so much pride, but sometimes for me, you know, when it comes to asking somebody for help, there's there's almost like a feeling of maybe being a little intimidated sometimes. Sure. You know? And so it, it would then be a, a combination of resisting the pride and overcoming the fear. Right, right. So let's talk about that a little bit, you know, because maybe sometimes the fear appears as pride. You know, it's kind of like outwardly focused or something. But sure. um but um have you ever felt too proud to ask for help? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you know, to your point, it's uh we live in a uh a, a, sometimes a pretty competitive society and you know, people are judged and looked at based in certain circles based off of the knowledge they have, you know and the knowledge that they do not have. And when people ask questions, the way that people respond sometimes or have responded has been deterrent to people wanting to ask for help. Um, Because maybe they're flippant or they're judgmental or something like that. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So I think it's really important for uh, every person to to you know, find a place of comfortability, being comfortable in their own skin, to be able to understand that I don't know it all. Um, and that's okay. It is okay. And wisdom is wisdom is understanding when you don't know something and being able to find the resources to get the answer to to what you need to know. Um, right. That's the level of intelligence that that people need to rec- recognize. Um, right. I'm pulling up my because uh, I wrote some stuff around me. Sorry, got six pages on this. Um, want to make sure include everything that I. What about um, the idea of feeling? 
intimidated or fearful about um, about um, asking for help? Yeah, people are afraid of no. People are afraid of being rejected or uh, being labeled as the person in, in the situation who didn't understand. But I think the pursuit of knowledge is the ability to ask why and how and when and taking that knowledge and applying it. I think when people are understand that their responsibility um, personally to develop comes from the ability to ask questions, I mean, that's how that's what science is. Science is the asking the universe why, asking God why does this happen? And and figuring getting answers from different resources to to come up with solutions. And right. it's important it's important for anybody in order to grow to be able to ask those questions and and specifically ask people who have been there and the problem sometimes is that in the minority community, there are not enough faces that look like ours that we can ask how. The one of the one of my mentors, and um, one of my in the information security field, he owned his own software development company. He sold it, and, and he's an information security specialist. So I asked him personally to be my mentor, and you know, and I asked him a lot of things about his personal experience because that's part of what I do as an entrepreneur is what he did, but he doesn't look like me. And it took a lot of courage for me to ask because I didn't know what his response would be. However, you know, I had a level of comfort with him. When you say he didn't look like you, I mean, just between you, me, and the fence post, was he a white guy? Yeah, he's a white Jew. He's a Jewish white. White Jew, yeah. (laughs) He really doesn't look like you. Right, right, right. And so, you know, but I understood he walked in places that I haven't walked in, and I didn't know anybody that looked like me that walked in those places. Right. Uh, So it was very important for me to be able to step outside of my comfort zone in order. And also, you know, a lot of times we have uh, black black people and Latino people sometimes have a chip on our shoulders. We think as minorities, that we have to prove that we can do this and we don't need the man, quote, unquote, to help us. But and part of proving be, it is not asking anyone for help. I'm sorry. Well, that's, well sometimes it's, it's thought of as I'm not going to ask, and this is a level of pride and ignorance, is I'm not going to ask this person um, to help me. I'm not going to ask the man. Right, I'm not going to ask the, the man to help me because I'm not looking for a handout or whatever. And and mentoring is definitely not a handout situation. It's definitely a, uh, if you if you properly are a mentee, you are providing value as well. And, right. Um, I think if it, you have to get beyond that 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 fear and insecurity about asking someone who doesn't look like you to get information that will help you, not only you but people within your community to, to be better and to do better. And, and so I think when, it's you, really, when you did ask him, how did he respond to that? He was absolutely thrilled that I asked him, and he's been an incredible resource for me.
for several years now. Wow, that's great. So how often do you talk with him? We used to meet once a month uh, for a couple years. Now we do it probably more on a quarterly basis. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, I've progressed in a, a very accelerated manner. And, you know, I do still, if I need something, I can just shoot him an email or give him a call. But in terms of he, he was a person that kind of held me accountable to some goals that I had. And mm-hmm. as I met those goals, you know, they were we needed to, we had a more frequent schedule, and then as I become get into more independent work, um, he he's more of a, like, hey, you're, you're you're doing it, you're doing good, and you know, I need to meet is we still need to meet, but it's less frequent. Right. So if you were going to write a testimonial for him, like let's say he was, you know, your coach, so to speak, like a paid coach or whatever, what would you say about how he helped you, like where you got as a result of that mentoring relationship? So he referred me. He was he was beautiful because he he actually helped me um, define. He asked me questions that helped me define what I wanted to do in relation to, uh, to information security. He he helped me to to he asked the questions that made me look at the long term perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, what what did I want out of information security? Why am I doing this? What what is the motivating factors and where do I want to be in five years and how, what is so that you look like? really clar- clarify your goals and where you wanted right. to go. Exactly. And that clarity provided so much value to me because um it made me think about things that I wouldn't have asked myself. Yeah, it's easier to see a direction forward when you're clear about what you want. Absolutely. Yeah, cool. Cool beans. Good, good, good. All right, good. I think he would be someone you might acknowledge in the book, you know, in the acknowledgement page at the beginning. Absolutely. So, and, anyway. and, and, and that's the and there's that's an example of a person who's been where I wanted to go. I couldn't ask that question. Those I couldn't ask for that relationship and it be as beneficial with someone who never been where he, where he walked before. You know, right? He's, he's right. been there. He knows the ropes. He's seen it. He successfully sold a company off that made him money. <laughs> Because he was doing some things right. Right. So um, the next thing you have here on your outline, and we've already started talking about this, but maybe there's a little more that you'd like to add, is uh, on the outline it says, broke people do not have the knowledge to advise. And, of course, I, you know, said a person who has – who makes 25000 has no idea what it takes to make 100000 for example. So is there more you'd like to say about that? Um, yeah, I think we captured most of that, that idea um, okay. about, you know, going to, going to a, basically going to the dentist for cosmetology surgery. Um, it's just not going, a match. Yeah, going to the dentist to get a nose job, you know. <laughs> right. Crazy. It's just not a match. It doesn't, it doesn't work out well. Um, you, what you can do is you can ask you can ask discovery questions 
of the mistakes or some of the areas that they feel like they could have avoided in those situations that they they are in, what may have led to that. For example, you know, if a, if a person is uh, on some type of government assistance because, um, you know, they maybe had children really early and, and really were, were burdened down with the caretaking, really didn't have anybody to help them, you know, find out about discovery situations like that to say, hey, it may be a good idea for me not to have children really young without a support system. Um, whether right. it's married or not, you know, you can, people have been in unfortunate situations that have been not their fault or it has been where they didn't know that the the role was going to be that difficult and they weren't prepared for it. And so it's, well, I it's, think it's when, also... I, I think when people are younger, it's like you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. You know? Totally agree so you, you have no idea how challenging it's going to be. You know, totally agree with that. So anyway, good, good, good. Okay, so next thing you've got here on the outline, which I think is really valuable, is meet people with wealth. Meet people yeah. with wealth. So uh, first, first, why? You know, I think it's obvious, but I want it on the on the tape. You know, why? And then the next is, how do you meet people with wealth? Right. So I think um, there's there's so many different okay why so the why is you want to meet people with wealth because in order to be able to take advice from people who are in order to refrain from taking advice from people who aren't broke you may still want someone to be able to speak on the subject that it can help you and as a result you will want to meet people who have resources that are beyond the people that you've seen in your community and the reason why you want to do that is because you want to find out what to do to get to the place uh, or places that they are in um and so the methods to doing so are, 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 are pretty dynamic um i think the key word is is network and how you network is very dynamic in this day and age. We've got social media, we've got um, you know, link or, or LinkedIn is I guess social media. We've got um, people who write blogs, who you know invite people to ask them questions. We've got experts in the field that are very. Uh, they're they're boisterous about helping people um uh, and developing relationships with those individuals can be very strategic. I would say that i I've met a a number of um individuals through like nonprofit organizations that uh when when people it's it's a beautiful thing when you are around people who are part of organizations that that have a uh, a mission to help people that are less disadvantaged, you'll find people in those groups who are people of means who all they really want to do is help other people. And so finding people in nonprofit organizations is very valuable. And I have unintentionally discovered relationships that have helped me in those types of situations. Matter of fact, the mentor that I, I have, he he and I met because we were part of the same uh, 
I, I signed up to be a part of a nonprofit that was dedicated to information security professionals. Um, and so that's how we even met. And in that circle were so many brilliant people, uh, well, and continue to be so many brilliant people in the industry who are doing things that are just outstanding. And then from there, uh, branching off to, you know, that's the local chapter and then becoming involved with some of the national chapter acti activities exposed me to other people as well. So there are people in, you know, nonprofits, because typically people at nonprofits have something discretionary, whether it's time or money. Um, mm -hmm. And so when you have discretionary time, significantly amount, a significant amount of those people have time because they have resources. And so, like, they don't have to spend that time doing something like, you know, being at work or, or having to uh, be in the the hustle and bustle of the rat race and they're giving back. Obviously there are people who are doing that who who are in that position, but they and those people may have even that are now have discretionary discretionary time and income, um, may have started off not having that, but they continue to be benevolent in, in whatever way. So finding people in those avenues is absolutely I would say that's probably the best way to do it because people um, always want to see other people who are trying to help themselves and help others. That 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 really pulls on the heartstrings of people who are. I've had a lot of uh, individuals tell me, like watching me in in some of my community activities and my endeavors, say, "Hey, you remind me of me when I was younger," and that relation alone has developed very uh, positive uh, mentoring type of situations. Of people, so I think that's another way to meet people, and I I think there's very much value in, in discussing that because people do have a hard time understanding where do I meet people who can help me get to a better place, and when you're in, in circles of pe helping other people, there are going to be people that are not only going to help the people that you're trying to help, but they're willing to help you. So let me share a thought because one of my things with my business is. I'm attempting to meet people who have some wealth. You know, they don't have to be multimillionaires or anything, and I don't think the people you're talking about do either, but they're people who are reasonably successful, you know. Mm -hmm. So at any rate, one of the things that I'm thinking about doing, and I'm just kind of kicking around the idea today, and I feel like I need to upgrade my website before I actually do it, is subscribe to the digital version of Wall Street Journal. Okay. and make reasonably intelligent uh, comments on certain things and look to connect with certain people. Absolutely. You know? Which is, and then the, which other is the thing social is, medium. Right. It's, yeah, because the yeah. thing is what used to be just a magazine, you know, with the paper and ink and pictures, now is like social media. And then the other one I was thinking about was Fortune Magazine and Fast Company. Okay. You know? Because those are kind of like fast companies. They're kind of like the TEDx type people, you know. Mm -hmm. They're they're kind of on the leading edge, you know, in in business and stuff like that. So yeah, that, that makes rate, a lot of sense. I mean, you did say social media, but I'll tell you what. I mean, I can go to Facebook and do all kinds of things, but I don't get business from Facebook. I get business from LinkedIn. Right. You know. 
And the main reason I'm on there is because I've been on there almost since, not since, the, you know, when Facebook started and it was for college kids, but I probably got on there a year, year and a half after it started. And if I went away, I mean, you know, and I think some of the people who are on LinkedIn, they follow me on Facebook as well, you know. But um, if you're going to go to social media places, go to social media places where people who have some success and possibly some wealth are hanging out. Exactly. I totally agree with that. Okay, cool. Then I'll include that. So anyway, okay. So um, the next thing you have on here is finding a mentor who has accumulated wealth. And I think it's perfect that you shared the story of the gentleman who ended up helping you and you were hesitant to ask him because not only didn't he look like you, he wasn't the same race as you, he also wasn't even the same religion as you. you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, and I know that faith to you is a big deal. I mean, you're a Sunday and a Wednesday guy, you know. Right. <laughs> right? Exactly. So, anyway. So let's talk about finding a mentor who has accumulated wealth. We've talked about some places, but um, and and I I kind of have some thoughts on that. I might kick around with you, but um, I'd like to first hear from you what you think about the ideas or maybe the the ways to find a mentor who's accumulated some wealth. So, you know, cause uh, just I because think... I volunteer doesn't mean somebody's going to feel like taking me on once a month or something. Right. That is, there's no necessary, there's not necessarily a formula that says, hey, this is the way to get a mentor. Um, one of the things that I learned very, very swiftly, uh, I read a book um, called The Compound Effect. And in the book, well, I think it was like the preface of the book where uh, Darren Hardy talked about how Brian Tracy was a mentor of his, and he had never met Brian Tracy. And it was really interesting because um, it it was a new idea for me that I never thought of. He said he had he had seen some some clips, he had heard some seminars that Brian Tracy conducted, but he never met him. So he basically what he did was he identified Brian Tracy as a like basically a long distance mentor where. Brian Brian Tracy was giving his nuggets away to Darren Hardy, but in the form of a book or a audio series or or some other form of um, media that allowed him to glean the nuggets and learn about the life. Because a lot of these writers, these authors, they share their life stories. It's not just about the principles; they share they share about examples, which is the same benefit that you get from a mentoring relationship. So sometimes you have to think outside the box about what mentoring looks like. Sometimes the mentoring relationship isn't about a one-on-one conversation. It's a It's a workshop. It's something else, another form. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, hello, are you still there? Hello, are you still there? Yes, yeah, I'm here. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought I ripped my phone out. But, uh, yeah, and like you said, like workshops. And what's funny is uh, when people start seeing your face at a workshop uh, continually over and over, there's the the option, uh, and I've I've actually had this happen with uh, 
when I became involved with the 100, that I would be at all of these different events, and because I would, or excuse me, not the 100, the Urban Urban League, so or Urban Chamber of Commerce. As I went to the Urban Chamber of Commerce, um, I was active in you know participating in the workshops and the volunteer activities, and once we got to a certain place, you know, the leadership of the Urban Chamber started seeing me visibly. Hey, Charles is always, who's this young guy who's always a part of this and he's always coming in this and his, you know, his business has been listed in all this into the, the chamber. And and then it became a relationship where uh, we I talked about the mentors, the entrepreneur mentorship breakfast that we have like quarterly with some of the local, uh, I don't remember what we renamed Shondell, <laughs> yeah, but, I, I think it was like either Darren or Daryl or something. Something that like that. Figure it out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we renamed Shondell, and you know, my relationship with Shondell, he has he's a very successful small business. Um, his his business is a million dollar business, and he's one of my mentors because he started seeing me at things, seeing me volunteers, seeing me being becoming interested. Um, and so I think I never approached him in a formal, hey, would you be my mentor? It just became, I became visible, and he started asking me and tasking me to do things, and then me being able to come to him and asking for help was something that really, you know, turned into a mentoring relationship. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's very dynamic how you can do it, how it works. Um but it's important that you do it and you identify opportunities. Can I throw out another idea on where you find wealthy people? Because I've done this twice in my life and, like, learned so much it was unbelievable, is go to work for them. Absolutely. You know, like, I mean, twice in my life I went to work for people who I really, really respected and I thought, hey, I could learn so much from this person, you know. And it's not like, you know, when I interviewed with them, you know, I'm like, oh, and by the way, will you mentor me? You know what I mean? It was like the interview was like a regular interview and a lot of the mentoring came from just kind of being a fly on the wall and really listening and learning. But then there were opportunities here and there to ask questions and learn like right from the horse's mouth. I mean, somebody that, you know, charges others, you know, $500, $1,000 an hour for their time. Exactly, and I totally believe in that. Um, I I was, I just finished a book by one of my long-distance mentors uh, who is Bishop T.D. Jakes. And right. he, so I read, I pretty much read all his books, well, I've read his most recent books, and I learned, and I watch him on television probably two Sundays out of the month. I watch his services on, on uh, before while I'm getting ready for my church services. I watch him, and he wrote a book just recently that I finished called Destiny, and he talked about the whole principle of mentoring and how. Um, he he has structured. A, he understands as a leader the the power of mentoring in such a way that he developed a basically an on the job uh, training 
situation for the new people that he hires. And he brings in the people that worked there before to be consultants, not because the people don't have the the people that he hired, the new people don't have the aptitude to do the job, but the people who were in the job understand the culture of what happened. They understand the leader's vision uh, firsthand. So it's almost like a layered mentoring where if you really want to know, um, if you really want the principles of uh, T.D. Jakes to be passed on to you in a, in a job role, he has people that he's already mentored that can pass on those knowledge, that knowledge and and he's literally identified that as, you know, he identified his on-the-job training as mentoring. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. The last thing you have here, and you've already mentioned this a little bit, is um, read about people with wealth, read material from people with wealth. And I remember a guy when I um, uh, worked for Bob Allen, and he said. He used to read autobiographies of really successful people, you know, yeah. and he said partly because he found it very inspiring how they overcame obstacles and all this stuff, you know, but the other thing is, is he said, you know, if you read between the lines, you really learn some strategy as well. I I totally agree with that. There are um, uh, reading autobiographies is powerful because, uh, it's it's interesting that Ben Carson is running for president right now because he was one of the first autobiographies I read as an emerging adult. And I remember I, reading that many many years ago. His book, Gifted Gift Hands. Hands. Uh-huh. Yeah. So at the time, I was uh, aspiring doctor because I wanted to be a pediatrician, and I was a junior in high school. Well, just just graduated my junior year going into my senior year and I met Ben Carson at a University of Michigan medical school program for minorities about the brain and that's when kind of dementia and Alzheimer's was really a new um, discovery for the brain so they the focus was like like they were really paying attention to it exactly Um, and and Meeting him was very inspiring just to meet a, a black neurosurgeon at John Hopkins University, the first sure. successful, um, you know, separation of Siamese twins at the head. I mean, meeting this guy was surreal. But reading right. his book was very, I felt connected to him. I felt like we came up in similar ways. We had very similar challenges in our background. I realized that he wasn't born with a silver spoon in his mouth and he overcame challenges and he shared that in his book and it definitely provided a level of inspiration um, and like, oh, this guy is just like me. He, You know, and I think sometimes we, we put people on pedestals uh, based off of where they are and we don't understand the struggle of what they came through. And when sure. we start identifying ourselves with the struggle, we, we begin to take them off this, this pedestal of, you know, maybe some prejudgments that we may have had about them, um, and that they were born with some type of or had some type of advantage in life, and we just really understand that we're the same kind of we're the same race, so to speak. You know what I mean? We're we're the race of human the human race. We're all of the human race, and all humans have a level of capability. Um, 
Obviously, some have disadvantages that are uh, more uh, pronounced than others. But right. there are always inspiring stories of people with disadvantages that overcome and become amazing uh, in whatever it is that they chose to be amazing in. Um, right. You, you know who's another good one to read, and I've read a couple of his books, is um, Stedman Graham. Okay. You know who that Stedman is? is? No. Okay. So Stedman Grant, unfortunately, is most known for being Oprah Winfrey's boyfriend. Oprah's baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who Stedman is. <laughs> I right, didn't know his right. last name because everybody just calls him Stedman. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But Stedman, yeah, it's Stedman Graham. And he's got some good books out there that are motivational, and yes, there's strategy in there, too, as far as, like, branding yourself and everything, which I thought is fascinating because it's like, how do you stand out on your own when you're in the shadow of right. the media's most famous woman and right. the only African-American female billionaire, like, you know, the probably on the planet, right. right? So at any rate, I thought that was, that was kind of fascinating because he has. He's learned how to find his own path and stand out for his own accolades, and, and that's pretty cool, you know? So, it is. Anyway. Yeah. Good, good, good. Um, give me one more book that you've read. I, I know you've talked about David Schwartz many times, The Magic of Thinking Big. Ha, ha. But, um, but I think Ben Carson <laughs> is, is a good example. I think Stedman Graham is a good one. Is there anyone else that you've read that's, like, really kind of made a difference in your life, whether they're uh, black I, or white or, you know, Hispanic or whatever? Yeah, I think I think T.D. Jakes is definitely someone that – T.D. Jakes, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you uh, mentioned yeah. So. yeah, I've read materials from him that has been, I mean, again, Darren Hardy. Um, uh, Darren Hardy is what, with um, Money Magazine or Success Magazine? Success, Success, Success. Magazine. Right, right, okay, yeah. Good, well, we're almost Brian, done and, here. Yeah, Brian, <laughs> Tracy, Brian Tracy has an amazing story, too. Brian Tracy being, is amazing. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't even have a, he has a G, he didn't, did he have a GED? I don't even know if he got a GED um, when he started selling. Right. I have to tell you, you're from, I, I know you never mentioned um, Mark Victor Hansen, but you know who he is with the Chicken Soup for the Soul books. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. When he, when he burst down the scene speaking, which would be like late 70s, early 80s, his whole thing is he, he, he made his niche speaking to the insurance industry, you know, mm-hmm. as kind of like motivational slash sales, right? Well, that's right. where I found out about him because I was in the insurance industry from like 85 to about 1990 for about five years, you know, right. so I went to, you know, events, and there was Mark Victor Hansen speaking, and I bought his, you know, tape thing. Back then it was cassettes, believe it or not. And mm-hmm. um, anyway, you know, what I learned about Mark Victor Hansen as, you know, in later years when I went to work for Robert Allen, the two of them became business partners, so I was kind of working for both of them. But what I learned is, you know, here he spoke in the insurance industry. You know how many insurance policies he sold? in the insurance industry? None. One. One? 
one policy. He got his license, he sold one policy, and his whole intention was to be a speaker, not to be an insurance person. But he thought, I have to be at least licensed for this. Right. You know, one. That was it. That was it. So anyway. All right. So closing thoughts. I'm listening to people who are not broke. I, I think it's pretty, the, the, the summary is, Are you, there, there's a saying um, that you are who you hang around. Um, right. Charlie Tremendous Jones said, <laughs> in five years, you will be the sum total of the people you meet and the books you read. I like that. You can throw that right in there. Okay, um, I will. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, we... As as in a minority community, we probably have already met enough people that are that are in financial situations that we don't want, and it's important to expand outside. So don't, of the, the don't be afraid to go outside of your community yeah. to look for mentors or ask for help. Right. So, right. Cool. Cool beans. Well, that was a fast hour. Yeah, went by really fast. Right. Now, when are you coming home, or are you going to be in Tampa for a while, or what's your deal? I'll be home Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Okay. All right. Cool. So um, do you want to book something for towards the end of next week? Like So next week is Thanksgiving. Um, oh, that's right. Okay. So I, why don't we I, can, for I like... can still do something, but I, I just want to be respectful of your time. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm I'm glad you mentioned it because it flipped out of my brain. But we're flying, we're um, not flying. We're driving to Southern California on Thanksgiving, and then we're coming home on um, Black Friday. So we're only going to be gone a little more, like maybe 36 hours. So that would mean like maybe like Monday the 30th. Monday the 30th. Um, yeah, let's. Okay. Can we? Can we book something fairly early on that day? Uh, let's see what I got. Uh, the only things I have on that day are, like, in the afternoon. So, yeah, no problem. What would be a good time for you? Oh, you know what? I have a networking thing. I mean, if you wanted to meet early, like 7 o'clock in the morning, I don't know let's, if that's ungodly early for you, but I could do no, it. That, I, yeah, I wake up at 4 now. So. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I mean, let's, let's I'm, I'm always up by 5.30, 6 o'clock, so that's not a problem for me. Okay, let's look at 7 a.m. on uh, Monday the 30th. Okay. Yeah, in fact, I kind of get a little thrill out of uh, – let me put you in here. I kind of get a little thrill out of, you know, getting a uh, a client meeting, like, wrapped up and and done by, you know, and it's still yeah, very right. early in the day. Right. So, anyway. So, um, our, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? What kind of plans do you have? My mother's coming. Oh, she's coming out? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So, you're going to have Thanksgiving with your mom? Yeah, I am. My uncle. My mom and uncle. Oh, okay. Now, are you planning on uh, going somewhere for dinner, or, or do you make a My turkey? mom's going to cook. She, my mom's, mom's cooking. She's cook? doing everything. <laughs> yeah. Okay. She, All right. she comes, she's cooking. 
Now, you know you have to get the turkey, like, Monday to thaw it out. Yeah. You know, it's like you have to buy it, like, you know, like get it out of the freezer. Because, I mean, those things are like frozen bowling balls, you know? (laughs) Right. Right? So, anyway, your mom will tell you all that good stuff. So, well, that sounds like a good Thanksgiving. I agree. So, anyway, well, enjoy yourself. And how long is your mom going to stay out? Um, Just a weekend. Okay. All right. So she's going to be going with the hordes. Yeah, furs. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, listen, enjoy Tampa while you're there. Have a nice Thanksgiving weekend. And I'll meet with you again on Monday morning, November 30th at 7 a.m. Okay. Thank you. Okay. You take care, sir. You too. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 